Kia ora, and welcome to my Dawn Chorus for Wednesday the 9th of February. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. This is my daily podcast about um, things, housing affordability, child poverty and climate change. And today I wanted to uh, look at what the Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, has been saying about housing affordability in the last couple of days. This is the first week of the political year in earnest, and we're starting to see the government's plans for the year ahead and also its first responses to what's been happening over the last uh, couple of months, particularly in housing. Yesterday morning, the Prime Minister gave her first full interview on TVNZ's breakfast programme about uh, housing. And this is in the wake of a bunch of uh, stats showing an acceleration of housing inflation in December and January and the average house value rising over a million dollars nationwide. Also, uh, I've written quite a bit about um, housing inequality and asset price inequality in the wake of COVID and uh, appeared on the breakfast last week to talk about this, which has sparked a bit of debate. So um, the question was asked of the Prime Minister, have you given up on housing affordability and what have you actually achieved? Given we know that average house prices have risen around about 50% since the government was elected and that certainly since 2019 um, they have accelerated much, much faster than incomes. That means that the house price to income multiple has risen from around about eight when the Prime Minister was elected. And remember, she was elected on a promise to improve affordability, which she said at that point was a housing crisis. So eight was deemed to be a housing crisis in 2017 by the Prime Minister. Now the house price to income multiple is 11 nationwide. That's the highest in the world. So we've seen a deterioration in affordability from eight times income to 11 times income. So uh, we've been asking the question, and it's asked. the question is sort of asked again in this exchange between Jenny May Coffin for TVNZ and the Prime Minister about um, what the government is doing about housing affordability and whether it has given up on trying to approve housing affordability given the deterioration. Here's uh, this exchange, just so you can hear what the Prime Minister is saying. What we're dealing with now is a situation where whether or not it's, you know, market or uh, public housing, we have not had enough of either. And that has really, you know, exacerbated the problems that we're facing as a nation. So I think we've always known that's not something that we would ever be able to turn around instantly. But we have and we have made progress but we are not giving up. We continue to do everything that we can, pull every lever we have, whether or not it's changes to tax rules, whether or not it's building and supporting councils with more basically pipes and infrastructure in the ground, creating progressive home ownership, increasing transitional housing, um, supporting our uh, social services as they step more into this space, and building more public houses than we've seen in the last 20 years. We are doing all of that because we need to do everything we can if we're going to change this market. So there you have it, um, the Prime Minister talking about uh, what the government is doing and whether it has given up. 
Later in the interview, she also um, restated that uh, she wanted to improve affordability but wouldn't do it in a way that would crash house prices, which would hurt first home buyers who'd just gotten into the market. The problem there, of course, is that um, that was potentially doable uh, at a time when house prices were maybe seven or eight times income. In theory, if you had flat house prices for a long, long time and you were able to increase incomes, you would progressively reduce the house price to income multiple from the seven or eight that it was in 2017 to something something like five over a decade or so, which you could argue is an improvement in affordability. Nowhere near the three that most people talk about as an affordable level, or certainly used to before the global financial crisis and COVID. But that would be a credible performance to get down from seven to five by holding house prices steady from 2017 onwards. Instead, prices have risen more than 50%, and in particular in the last two years, obviously, have exploded, so that the multiple has gone from 8 to 11. So, um, firstly, um, the flaw in the Prime Minister's argument when she says that she can achieve some improvement in housing affordability and not have a house crash is that, mathematically, it's just not possible anytime soon. And that was um, that argument was dismantled by the OECD last week when uh, it came out with 10 pages of intense criticism of the government's performance on housing and affordability from both a, a rental and a home ownership point of view and pointed out that for housing affordability to get back down to something reasonable, such as eight times income, which Prime Minister said in 2017 was crisis, uh, that you'd have to see house prices fall for three years in a row uh, at 5% per year. Now, that's a 15% fall, which I think she would argue and others would argue is a crash. So um, the OECD says it's actually not possible to improve housing affordability unless you have a much more substantial fall. Now, in theory, you could hold house prices flat and you would see an improvement uh, over time over five or so years, maybe 10 years. Um, but again, that's not what's happening. Prices have risen, are rising at a rate of 27% per annum at the moment. And in fact, the Prime Minister said at the end of 2020 that um, her idea of a good performing housing market was one where house price inflation was around about 5% per year, which is what it was in the first two or three years of the Labour government. If that's the case, if house prices rise 5% per year, then essentially you see no improvement in housing affordability. And obviously if they rise more than that, as they have for the last couple of years and are still rising that much, then uh, you're not going to see an improvement. You're going to see a worsening of housing affordability. In essence, if you want to allow this current generation of home buyers and renters to have affordable housing and renting, when I say this generation, I'm saying in the next 10 to 20 years, then you have to allow a house price crash, which she has specifically stated she will not do. So that's the first problem there, as I see it. Secondly, um, if you're going to be serious about saying you, you want uh, housing affordability, then you really need to say what it is you're targeting. And to be fair to the Prime Minister, uh, she has a pretty good record on uh, on those areas where the government has some specific targets, 
around child poverty written into the legislation about how many fewer uh, that tens of thousands the government wants to see uh, the number of people in child poverty drop to and she wants to be held accountable against that. So the question is begged, where is the accountable target on housing affordability? Since the demise of the 100,000 Kiwi-built homes target in 10 years, the government has been loath to put any sort of target on housing performance, uh, but continues to talk about wanting to improve it. Uh, that's just not credible if you want to be held accountable on housing in the same way that you are being held accountable on child poverty. So what we need to see from the government is some sort of measure some sort of target, some sort of statement about what it thinks an acceptable or a desirable level of housing affordability is for both renters and for buyers. So we know at the moment the house price to income multiple is 11 times income. We also know that as of 2019, that on average New Zealanders were spending 26% of their disposable income on Housing. So that includes those people who own homes and those people who rent homes. We also know that New Zealand has the highest proportion of people in rental stress in the world. And that's because our rents are higher relative to incomes than anyone else in the rest of the world and have risen much, much more than anyone else in the rest of the world in the last four years. So... Um, what is the target? What should it be? Now, most governments are reluctant to set this target, although uh, the former housing minister, Nick Smith, under the national government, did actually start to have a crack at this by including four times income as an acceptable house price to income multiple when uh, setting the rules for the creation of special housing areas for councils. So it wasn't quite an official target, but it was... Uh, the sort of guidance that the government was giving to councils, at least. So four times income. There are others who've tried this. So the Auckland Council under um, Phil Goff, and in particular under the then chief economist at the Auckland Council, Chris Parker, put out a very detailed paper on what it thought um, an appropriate level of affordability should be. At that point, Auckland was at nine times income. And in 2015, Chris Barker wrote a paper saying that the, the council should target five times income by 2030 as a reasonable thing to go for. Although Chris Parker also said that an affordable level, truly affordable level of housing was somewhere under three times income. And that's where New Zealand's housing affordability has been for most of its history up until around 2002, 2003, when it really started to take off. Uh, it rose to around 7 or 8 in 2007-8. And um, apart from a short period, 2008-9, when there was a 10% um, fall in house prices, uh, you didn't see much of an improvement from 8. And it uh, pretty much meandered around 8 through that period. And uh, so Chris Parker was saying that 5 is the reasonable area to go for. Uh, Chris Parker is now a principal advisor to the Treasury, behind the scenes for the government in Wellington. So, uh, if the government was to adopt something reasonable, like five times income, or 
as the Ministry of Urban Development and Housing has suggested, that uh, a reasonable area to look at for rental affordability is around 25%, which is what state house tenants pay as a proportion of the market-related rent. So uh, if they are, uh, have a rent of X, they pay 25% of their disposable income in rent, and then it's topped up by the government up to, the, to a market rent, so 25%. And internationally, the broad measure of affordability for rent is about 30% of disposable income. We know that um, those people, particularly at the lower end of the economic spectrum, are paying significantly more than that in rent. In fact, uh, those people paying more than 40% of their disposable income, that share of people... Uh, is substantially higher in New Zealand than anywhere else in the world. So we clearly don't have an affordable rental market and to see significant improvements to below that 30% of disposable income level would require significant reductions in rent significantly uh, quickly if that was going to happen any time in the next decade or two. So um, firstly, the Prime Minister's maths doesn't work with her um, argument that she can have affordability and do it without a housing crash. Secondly, um, the government is not saying what its targets would be. That would be a credible uh, thing for the government to say if it was still targeting housing affordability. It should have some targets. And thirdly, you might have heard this phrase repeated by the Prime Minister regularly in recent months, and again yesterday, which is that we are pulling all the levers to try and deal with this housing crisis, which the government said it inherited and said it's taken decades to to arrive and therefore the implication is it will take decades to fix. So the quote, we are pulling all the levers. Let's look at that. Firstly, the Prime Minister herself um, proposed before being elected in 2017 that there should be a capital gains tax. A few days before the election, she promised not to introduce a capital gains tax in the first term of the government and instead have a tax working group inquiry into whether there should be one. By 2019, two years into the government, in theory under pressure from then coalition partner New Zealand First and Winston Peters, she stated there would not be a capital gains tax in her political lifetime. She also ruled out a wealth tax at the 2020 election. So one of the major levers that is used internationally to keep house prices under control, in fact, we're the only country pretty much in the developed world that doesn't have one, that is one lever she has said she will not use, having previously said she would like to use it. So that's one lever that isn't being used. Secondly, uh, the, the government has made a, a big song and dance about how many houses that kind of order, state houses, are actually being built at the moment. Well, last year was a bad year for net new houses being built because of COVID. But it is true that over the last four years, Kanga order, the government, has built a lot more houses in that period than pretty much any government since the late 1980s. And the net housing stock has increased for the first time in a long time. And that the previous national government actually reduced the net housing stock through sales. Uh, however, um, the bigger picture is that to improve housing affordability, the 
a broad assessment is that you need to significantly improve the volume, the supply of houses to significantly improve affordability. There is an argument, actually, that you just keep building houses until you get to the affordability level that you want to. Uh, like in any market, you just keep pumping supply in until you get to the price that you want. That's not what the government's doing. The government has limited itself to about 12,000 new houses over five years uh, from Kainga Ora. Why only 12,000 when we know that there's a shortage of affordable types of houses of at least 50,000? You could argue 100,000 if you were going to significantly improve and replace the stock that's out there at the moment, which is clearly inadequate. So why not go for 100,000 instead of 12? Well, the guts of it is the government will not use its own balance sheet to solve this existential crisis in housing or in climate change because the Public Finance Act says that the government must, must, must always, always try to run its finances in a prudentially sound way, which is all very sensible. However, that has been interpreted by both sides of politics and multiple governments over the last 30 years as meaning that the government's debt shouldn't rise above around 20 to 30 percent in the long run. And if it does, because of some crisis like a pandemic or an earthquake, then the government's role after that initial one or two years of uh, increased debt should be to bear down to reduce that debt to GDP ratio. And that essentially means contracting fiscal policy uh, and not borrowing any more and essentially hoping that GDP will rise and that your net debt to GDP will then fall back into that 20 to 30% range. So over the last um, year and a half or so, once the initial COVID spending splurge happened and borrowing uh, splurge increased, the government has been trying to avoid spending more capital on infrastructure and on operational uh, spending. It's why we've seen various um, decisions not to do things, including the third year of free uh, tertiary fees, um, and, and also only limiting the State House Bill to 12,000. Also, not providing significant infrastructure funding support for uh, councils, not significant in any uh, sense that would redress the $70 billion to $150 billion plus infrastructure deficit that's been built up over the last 30 years, or even start to deal with likely population growth over the last four to five years. However, just in the last week, the government's changed the migration settings to allow an extra 70,000 migrants in over the, la over the next year. So um, there's certainly a shortage of funding for infrastructure because the government is adhering to this assumption about 20 to 30% is your net GDP number. So that's the main reason why um, you're not seeing the supply response that the government um, talks about, uh, or certainly one that's uh, needed to make a difference. One of the other areas that a bunch of uh, critics of the government have talked about is the lack of help for community housing groups to build houses. If you're pulling all the levers, then you'd want everyone in the so-called third sector uh, to be building new houses. But after the change of government in late 2017, um, there was a stop to capital grants to community groups to build houses. There are still some operational um, grants, i.e. Uh, um, rent subsidies, to some groups. 
but not necessarily others. For example, the Wellington Council is trying to get access to these income-related rent subsidies and the government's refusing to because it talks about fiscal constraints. Uh, that is um, another of those levers that is not being pulled, despite the government's assurance that all the levers are being pulled. So uh, that's the summary of what happened yesterday in my view of uh, what happens when you actually compare the rhetoric from the Prime Minister and the government with the uh, performance and uh, just challenging um, the uh, the words around uh, the government being serious about addressing housing affordability and that it's making progress. In summary, um, it is not serious about addressing housing affordability. If it was, it would allow or engineer a significant fall in house prices of the 30 to 40% range, but it has ruled that out. If it was really serious, it would tax wealth or introduce a capital gains tax. It has ruled that out. If it was really serious, it would significantly uh, increase housing supply, but is dedicated to the 30-year-long orthodoxy of keeping net debt at 20 to 30% of GDP, in part to keep interest rates low so that house prices stay high. So... Uh, that's my my um, assessment of uh, the Prime Minister's comments on housing from yesterday. I'm Bernard Hickey. That is my daily podcast on the Kaka. It is Wednesday, the 8th of February. Kakite ano, and thanks again to all of the Kaka's subscribers who allow me to do this type of accountability and explanatory journalism on the areas of housing affordability, climate change and child poverty. Nummy. <laughs>